0: welcome to the young wild financially free podcast an audio experience where we don't just talk about it we live it and hello there everybody welcome to the young wild financially free podcast i am your host andrew roberts And for those of you that are new here, this podcast is pretty self-explanatory. It's about financial freedom. So in some episodes, we get to interview some really extraordinary people, like today's episode, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, In other episodes, uh, my co-host Matt Teifke and I uh, chit-chat about different things within the real estate investing world and uh, the world of entrepreneurship. So we'll do a little bit of housekeeping right now. As you may know, the company that Matt and I both work for, Matt owns, is Tree Homes Property Management here in Austin, Texas. And summer's coming up pretty soon, in a couple months, and this is the best time of the year to find a place to live. So whether you're leasing or whether you're looking to buy, um, that is a service that our company provides. And so... If you're in the Austin area or surrounding areas, please reach out. Our website is www.treehomes.com. It's tree spelled with one E, so it's T-R-E homes.com. Or you can reach out to us through any of our social media platforms. They're all going to be linked below in the description. And while we're on the topic of social media, I need your help. So I want you guys to go over to our Facebook or our Instagram and I want you to either leave us a comment or shoot us a message and let us know what you think about our podcast. Give us some advice. Let us know some suggestions of what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. We would just really appreciate it. We want this podcast to be something that you all enjoy and keep coming back to week after week. Now moving on to the guest for today's podcast, Mr. Justin Donnell. He is a successful entrepreneur and real estate investor, like many guests we've had on this podcast, but there's something a little different about Justin. He has become successful through many different avenues, one of which is investing in mobile home parks, which by the end of this episode, you'll see that I have drank the Kool-Aid, I'm all in with mobile home parks. That's my new go-to. So that's a, a goal that I want to reach personally. But Justin is a great guy. He moved to the city of Austin a few years back because he loves everything about Austin, which we will dive into in this podcast. But he's a great father, he's a great husband, and you'll see throughout this podcast episode that he has a great heart. He's a great human being, and you just... Want to fall more and more in love with him the more he talks. So without further ado, here is Mr. Justin Donnell. Okay. <laughs> have we uh, been recording this whole time? We just started. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, Everybody, welcome to the Young Wild Financially Free podcast. Uh, Andrew Roberts here with Matt Teifke. What's going on? Uh, today, we are blessed and excited to have a, a, a wonderful guest uh, by the name of Justin Donnell. And uh, we made this connection with Justin through mutual friends um, in the industry, and um, we're just really excited. He's a successful entrepreneur and a, an investor, and so we're uh, really excited. Justin, thanks for being on here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. Yeah.
0: So for the listeners uh, and for uh, Matt and myself, uh, would you mind giving us like a, a two to three minute elevator pitch on kind of who you are
1: and in, in your story? Sure, yeah. I went to the University of Illinois, Big Ten, there Fighting a Illini, <laughs> and uh, had a great time there. And while I was there, I uh, had some awesome professors that taught me all about real estate. And uh, one of my professors had paid his way through college by buying an apartment complex, living in it, uh, being the maintenance man during his college years. And I thought it was just a brilliant, brilliant move. And wow. so, you know, that kind of just stuck in the back of my mind as I went through classes. I had some other great real estate professors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just always knew that I wanted to get into that at some point. Okay. Um, so uh, originally I wanted to do it right out of college. And I didn't have uh, the right mindset because I thought it was really hard because I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, come to find out years later, the money's really easy when you have a a good deal. Sure, yeah. I I think that I let that overwhelm me, and it took me a little longer to get into it than I wanted to. So I ended up starting with a sales company uh, called Cutco. And I uh, sold Cutco knives through college, paid for my college that way. And I got some Cutco knives. All right. I like it. <laughs> I it's, a great, it. it's a great oh, yeah, product. Yeah. Forever guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt good representing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I graduated, I became a manager with them. And uh, there, there's a, a nice uh, freedom to that where you're an entrepreneur, but you have help, like back office type of help. And. Um, you know fulfillment and, and shipping and all that is kind of taken care of for you so sure. you, you really get to dabble with uh, a lot of the framework of being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, in, in a management mm-hmm. role when you open an office and then you get a chance to kind of hone your skills with working with people and painting vision and uh, creating business plans and things that are, are pretty beneficial long term I think mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I knew that I wanted to get into real estate. And so I would make money and set money aside as uh, my you know, real estate income. And I, I have, you know, at various points in my life, own most forms of real estate. Uh, so I started out just buying a condo that I eventually turned into a rental. And uh, that story actually didn't end up great because I bought it. When the market was really high mm-hmm. and uh, i rented it for a while because i knew i couldn't sell it and then i learned firsthand how to i guess the struggles with being a landlord in a different state than where you bought it
0: oh wow yeah
1: uh, so i eventually sold that one for a loss and i said that was painful i'm never going to do that again <laughs> or i'm going to try my best to never do that again yeah but i still knew that. That real estate was a, a good move, uh-huh. and so what I what I knew I wanted to do. I got to a point in my career where my time was producing my income, and I didn't want the exchange to be for my time. I wanted assets to produce my income, or you know, money to produce my income. So I really wanted to separate that that time uh, element of it, uh-huh. and so I just started researching what are all the best forms of real estate and. You know, there, there's all kinds of you know, great ways to do it. Uh, believe it or not, I landed in mobile home parks. You know, I went to a boot camp and uh, it was enough information that when I it against the other real estate options, that made the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I could get a bunch of units in one fail swoop of a purchase, right. but you have a very strong cap rate in mobile home parks. So mm-hmm. uh, that was appealing to me as well. Uh, So I was eventually able to replace my uh, earned income with passive income, Mm -hmm. uh, rental income. Mm -hmm. And that kind of started my trajectory in uh, purchasing properties, having the time to buy new properties, having the time to study other business opportunities and invest in them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I've owned single family home rentals. I've done single family home flips. We started a to two partners of mine and I started a company called IFM Restoration. okay, And that is a maintenance company that works for the large REITs uh, that have huge single family home portfolios. And we do the maintenance for them. So mm-hmm. most of the clients are you know having portfolios of 1,000 to 80,000 homes. Uh, and, and we noticed a big opportunity there just in maintenance that it's hard to scale that. And we thought we could have some solutions there. You know, that that was uh, a very uh, hands-on business. There's always something going on, always something needing to be done, uh, but a great experience as well. Yeah. Um, and, and from there, it just kind of produced, you know, more and more time, more and more, you know, you know resources and assets to invest in other companies, properties, whatever it might be. Um, just
0: a short side note, when you said REIT, uh, That is the acronym REIT, correct? Correct. Which stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. Correct. Cool. Yes. Awesome. Uh, I'm pretending like that's for the listeners, but um, (laughs) I'm also clarifying for myself. Um, Well, so I love what you said about you didn't want to, I guess, maybe trade your time for money anymore as far as like working a job, right? You wanted your money to work for you. Did you read Rich Dad Poor Dad before this time of your life or uh, did you discover or have you read it at all?
1: Yeah, I most certainly read it okay. and it was a very influential book. I feel like it shaped a lot of my thinking at a young age when I was a, a new entrepreneur on the scene. I mean, I, that book was, was a, a, I would say that I pivoted in just the way that I looked at the world, the way that I looked at business, the way I looked at money. And it was very instrumental for me. And then my follow-up book to that was Cash Flow Quadrant, also by Robert Kiyosaki. And that book, I would say, today was my single greatest uh, read. That had the the largest impact on the way that I've approached business and investing and uh, understanding the way that money actually works. That's so cool. That's awesome.
2: I love the fact that you said you had a, a professor that got you interested in real estate because I feel like that's really rare. Like, I feel like most people get interested in real estate by family or someone else in business and not through school. So that's really interesting to me.
1: Well, I, I feel blessed to have had that situation because no one in my family owns property, you yeah. know, so, so that influence wouldn't have been there. You know, most of my family works just a standard nine to five type yeah. of job or, or, you know, hours that exceed that, but maybe pay that still reflects nine to five. Sure. And... You know, my, my real exposure, my only exposure at that point in time was college. And so I joined a business fraternity and the professor that, that headed up the business fraternity was uh, my real estate professor. And so I developed a relationship with him too. So I had two different professors that were huge <laughs> advocates for it. Um, and it, it was just a, a great, great experience for me overall. And what did you get your degree in? In finance, okay. so I had a, a, an emphasis in real estate and then an, an emphasis in investing. So I took some really cool you know, courses, uh, basically where in college I invested with a group of, of a handful of other students, a million dollars of money from one of the alumni of the university. And we really did buy and sell stocks and uh, we did the, the full-blown portfolio management for a full year. Uh, it was a really
0: cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds uh, so much more hands-on than um, most business degrees that I I see nowadays. When, going into college, did you know what you wanted to do after college? Because it seems like you kind of discovered this whole real estate path um, and investing path, you know, through some of your classes.
1: Yeah, you know, I for sure knew, and actually, I just recently went through one of my old high school yearbooks. Mm -hmm. And I saw, you know, in in there that I had written or I had written in someone else's that um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Or maybe that was in the small caps. I wanted to be an entrepreneur or business owner. I think Uh it was business owner. Yeah. And uh, so I guess at a young age, I kind of wanted that. Now, I had no clue what that would look like. You know, I I don't know. I, I don't know where I was starting. I don't I had no ideas. But college definitely influenced that, that direction. So I think I got in my mind real estate in college. Now, during college, though, I I was actually enjoying the trading so much that I thought I was going to become a trader. Mm. Uh, but the more it went on, and the more, you know, stress I, I could feel and some of, you know, making uh, I mean, there's a high when you make a good trade, and a real low and stressed when you don't because it's real money. Yeah, you know, it, that's a that's a lot of responsibility to be put on a handful of college students. Right, so I'm thankful for the experience, but uh, I realized that that probably wasn't the best route for me. Okay. And whenever I learned about real estate, I just had so much fun with it. Yeah. And then big picture stuff, you know, if if I had a professor that could pay for his, you know, college. Right with just rental income yeah I I just thought that was fantastic and then he was teaching the course and still owned the the apartment complex at that time it was totally paid off yeah and I said you know this is pretty cool yeah I'd love to own and teach people how to do that
0: Mm -hmm. that's awesome so kind of going back to like guess your childhood and your upbringing I know you said most of your family you know works a nine-to-five but you wrote that and that yearbook that you wanted to be a business owner, do you know what moment in your life, I guess, gave you this inspiration to do that? Because most people kind of either follow in their parents' footsteps or have some sort of a, you know, a push in a direction or something like
1: that. What was, I guess, your experience like? You know, I don't know that I had any epiphany. I just think I it sounded cool. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to do this. Nice. So, I, you know, I... I for whatever reason believed I could, even though there was no proof that I could. Uh-huh. I just thought it'd be cool, and yeah, I just decided one day I would, you know, I, I was actually just trying to figure out what do I even, you know, sure. what do I wanna do? I was yeah. like, that'd be great, why don't I just do that? Are you from Illinois? So I am, mm. I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. Cool. And then, uh, headed down to Champaign for, for college. Gotcha. And so what brought you to Austin? So, um, I lived in St. Louis for a while um, when I was working with Cutco. Um, I oversaw the basically the, the sales program, sales and recruiting, and sales management for the southern part of Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, and mm-hmm. so I did that all out of St. Louis. And um, the reason I moved was for that opportunity. And at a certain point, you know, I had enough income that I didn't need the income there and we could live wherever we wanted to live so I remember my wife and I were sitting outside at this cool little wine bar in St. Louis and uh, we do this annual planning uh, kind of uh, template every single year where we just kind of talk through you know what do we want what are what are the big uh, things we're looking for this year what are our goals what are our dreams Mm -hmm. what does it look like over the next five years ten years just doing some family planning yeah and we said you know what we don't have to live here if we could live wherever we want to live where would that be Mm -hmm. and we both decided Austin nice so we in that moment I mean the next day called a realtor listed our home and 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 moved shortly after our home closed in uh under 30 days which is unheard of
0: yeah
1: Uh, and we made a profit on that one which was really nice to make up for the first one that I didn't make a profit (laughs) on yeah so it kind of balanced me out a little bit right and uh You know, I sold it a better time the second time around. That's
2: awesome. So I got a couple questions for you. Um, First of all, what what made you pick Austin?
1: Well, my wife and I have a little history here. So I had a good friend that lived here, and her best friend moved here. And those two girls became friends, and they told us we should meet because we were living in the same city. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out we were living on the same road. The main drag downtown was Washington Avenue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she lived on 16th, and I lived on... 11th okay. so we met in the middle at a place <laughs> just a, this really cool bar in the middle yeah and uh everything you know ended up working out great so we, we just both walked three three blocks in the opposite direction and you know met in the middle it's pretty cool <laughs> that's awesome so during our time dating we would come to austin a lot we come to acl we come hang out with our friends and we just loved it here yeah right? we love the the weather and the people and the food and the music and right the, the ability to actually be outside year-round yeah that, that's really important to us. Uh-huh. So we just said, hey, let's do it, that's it'll cool. be fun, it. it'll be an yeah. adventure.
2: And then specifically on your first condo that you owned, because we manage for a lot of people that live out of state, so I'm curious, you said you had those challenges of managing it, like, what, what were those challenges for you?
1: Well, you know, I, I really lucked out in having some good tenants, so for a while I had my friends, and that worked out Pretty well.
2: Were you charging them probably a little bit below? Market? I was, <laughs> I was
1: losing, my, I was not covering my mortgage. Okay. So I, I was not being a good, uh, I was being a good landlord to them. Okay. I wasn't being a good, you know, property owner sure. for myself.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, every month, you know, I'm, I'm losing money yeah. and I'm just hoping to at some point, you know, be able to bank on some of the appreciation, which is a horrible model. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I really learned uh, a lot from that first property. Yeah. And and then I eventually got in a renter that was just a phenomenal renter that prepaid, you know everything, and and uh, it was just a great experience. But at one point in time, the roof leaked. I was on the top, bi- I was on the top level of this uh, midrise, mm-hmm. and it leaked all inside the home and caused all kinds of damage. And through some sort of loophole in the insurance that I had, and the insurance that the building, the HOA had. It this wasn't covered, right? So you would you would think it should be, and it just wasn't. So I was out of pocket on that. I remember using uh, a home equity line to help pay for uh, some of that. And this is still before the the housing crash, right? So I'm now going a little more in the hole, but I don't know it yet because it hasn't happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, just a lot of great lessons all the way around, but it was actually not too bad managing just that one unit. Uh, there were a couple of times where, you know, I had to figure out who to who to send in. I'm sure I overpaid on some things, but then I had some friends that were pretty handy and did the work, you know, at cost. So, right. I mean, it all balanced out, but it, you know, I just learned a lot on, you know, protecting your assets, you know, the proper insurance and sure. getting the right renter makes all the difference in the world too. Yeah,
2: for sure, yeah. People hear, I talk to a lot of people that hear the horse stories, and I always say, like, we, we don't really get those because of when you screen them, you get mm-hmm. the right people in there. I know that it happens, but I think a lot of people don't invest in real estate because they hear these horse stories, which, in my opinion, they don't happen as much as people like to think they do.
1: Yeah, you generally hear the negative stories, right? Because negative news sells or, you know, it's a story. People listen to it. Right. Um, But and I've been guilty of just filling a property to fill the property to get cash flow and taking a short term approach and not a long term approach. Sure. And it has almost always, you know, come back to bite me. Uh, But when I've taken the time and sacrificed, you know, maybe I didn't rush someone in there and I lost a month or two or three of potential rent. You get a good person in there, that is so worth it. So just taking your time is
2: (laughs) so huge. Right, yeah. And we're really big on uh, keeping people there. So like in a lot of properties that we have, we'll do preventive maintenance and go out there and maybe we don't have to fix it, but we just do. Because that's one of the biggest expenses is them moving out, doing make ready, leasing costs. So try to try to have that approach of, hey, you got a good tenant, keep them there as long as possible.
1: Without a doubt, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you know, another thing is is for you know people that are listening to this, depending on what state you're in. Some states actually, it can be a little more nightmarish because it's a very tenant-friendly state, right? So Mm -hmm. it is actually legitimately, legally hard to get people out of a home, right? right? Yeah, you know, a lot of these states that have pretty strong squatters' rights and you know things like that. But if you avoid those, it's really easy. And in most states, it's you know, you get the wrong person in, you can get them out pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah. So with this condo, it
0: being your first, uh, you know, real estate uh, investment. And you ended up you know losing a little bit on it. Uh, what was your like mentality through that of like you know seeing it as a failure or seeing it in a, a positive light during that time? Were you hesitant to invest again? Um, what were you going through with that?
1: Well, my friends always tease me because I tend to have a positive outlook on on most, if not all things, but, yeah. uh, so, so I generally will, will be able to find the positives in the situations that happen. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't feel like I got punched in the gut or you know that there's there's a nervous energy around you know certain things but I can tell you even though I thought I may be a little trigger shy to buy the next property I really wasn't it was just that I had to kind of build up my my war chest of cash again right Right. yeah so so my so I did have a little delay in in purchasing from the the sale of that till my next property but it was really just a matter of getting the funds and and more than anything I, I just I really learned some good lessons. And even in the midst of it, I knew they were good lessons. Mm-hmm. And and some of it was timing where it's like, hey, that, you know, I could blame that on poor luck or, you know, maybe that's more of a victim mentality sure. to, to blame it on luck. What if it's a little more than just luck? What if I just wasn't paying attention? Right. So, you know, having those honest conversations, I think uh, really helped me, uh, you know, to, to make Good sound decisions from there, mm-hmm. but yeah, in the moment, I frustration surely existed. Yeah, right. But I, I, still saw the opportunities, and I was not discouraged. I just, the the proof is out there that there are so many people that do well with rentals. Right. Like, the, he, he, there's just no denying it. So I knew if someone else could do it. I could figure it out, yeah. you know. I may not be as smart as them, right. but I'll work as hard as them and I'll study until I'm, you know, smart uh-huh. to be able to do those things. And worst case scenario, if I just can't figure it out, I'll put people around me that can figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I just know if someone else can do it, I can replicate. I feel like I'm one of the best copycats out there. I don't <laughs> always do my I don't always have these great ideas, but I hear someone else and I'm like, "I could do that." Sure, oh. yeah. That's
0: awesome. I love it. Yeah, I think that's huge. That you know, you said that uh, you're optimistic about things and you look at things in a positive light. I think that's huge in any, I guess maybe form of of life or any area of life is to look at things you know in a in a positive way. Seeing this, uh, you know, condo this investment as a, a learning experience and trusting in the process. Like you said, like you know, historically, you know, real estate investments and you know, rental properties have benefited so many people have been so successful and so stable that this one condo doesn't mean that you're gonna fail on every single real estate investment or that it's you know a bad plan uh, just that this was a, a learning experience
1: yeah certainly and if for nothing else i always look at timing now right so whenever i'm thinking about selling I mean, that that is, I mean, my exit strategy is always based around that now. Uh And, you know, I should probably knock on wood for this statement I'm going to make, but I I have since not lost any money in any real estate purchases. They've all been very, very strong plays.
2: I love that you say that about timing uh, because I went to real estate school in College Station and they said, hey, everyone always says location, 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 just as important, timing, timing, timing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's really totally. interesting. Um, I would love to dig into the mobile home part. So you said you went to that class. Did you buy a property on your own? Or are you investing with other people? Can you kind of run us through all the details of it?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I went uh, to this weekend boot camp. It was three days. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, mobilehomeuniversity.com. Catchy. <laughs> uh, yeah it's really good they're, they're kind of the authorities in the space and I learned how to you know kind of do everything through them uh-huh. and it was just a, a great experience I just felt like I had all the tools and all the knowledge I needed so I did go out and I, I purchased parks just on my own I got my first uh, two deals under contract kind of right out of the gates after I had done that I'm the type of person that uh, I when I make a decision I just go uh-huh. so I, I just commit and I do the necessary things. I mean, I was cold calling parks, talking to you know whoever I could to try and reach the owners, which is hard to do sometimes. You yeah. got some gatekeepers, but I, I called so many parks and eventually <laughs> I got an owner and I said, hey, are you looking to sell? Cause I might be in the market to buy. Yeah. And he goes, Matter of fact, I am. All right. So I was like, oh, my work's paying off. This is good. <laughs> yeah. This is good. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. All, you know, all of it is. All right. real estate and, and uh, I mean, most things, sales, you know, hiring, whatever it is, it's all a numbers game. Sure. Uh, so you put in enough work and the results will eventually happen. Mm-hmm. And what was cool about that purchase was the owner uh, set up a seller finance deal with me so he gave me a 10-year note with an option to extend it for another 10 years at five percent
2: real quick on the option was there some kind of fee to extend that option
1: uh so we would just re there was no fee we just would reevaluate interest rates at that time okay and yeah i mean it was just kind of such a sweet deal i didn't have to get a bank involved it just really smoothed the process out uh-huh. and that's another thing I like about mobile home parks is you have enough mom-and-pop owners That they own it free and clear. So why not you right. know, for them? They're usually unsophisticated investors So what are they gonna do take a lump sum and let it sit in the bank? Yeah, you know yeah. Uh, or are they gonna put it in you know some bonds uh, I mean, what are they going to do with it? If I'm paying them 5%, that's probably better than they're going to make. And they probably realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it really was a, a win win, but the unique thing about that deal is, you know, at that time, my wife was a teacher and, um, you know, she had a, a pretty set schedule of, you know, starting, you know, being there at seven and leaving at three or three thirty, and, you know, having some things in the evening to do with grading and all that kind of stuff. And, I just thought it would be really cool if I could buy some properties that replaced her income. And so buying these two, once we closed, they were you know cash flow positive day one yeah. and we replaced her income. So she was able to stop teaching that next year. That's awesome. That's a
0: very similar to my story. I haven't gotten to where you are yet, but my wife is a teacher and that's my whole goal and motivation with investing in real estate is to replace your income so on a similar path
1: yeah and it makes a huge difference because you know to to be able to create more time to buy your time back right does a wonderful thing for your relationship for just the energy that you have for the feeling that you have there's almost just this sense of accomplishment and, and excitement and there's just uh it's hard to even put into words but it, it's like this freedom you know
0: yeah yeah for sure that's awesome I mean that's the whole goal that you know Matt and I both have is that like you said earlier in the beginning of this podcast is having that time you didn't want to you know trade your time for dollars and having real estate helps you reach that and you know the whole why is you know your family, your wife, and your uh, daughter. And so having that time to spend with them is like, that's what, that's what it's all for, which is very cool. It's awesome. I think everyone needs to find their, their why, right? Their reason to do
1: something, which is very, very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It definitely, uh, is a liberating feeling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then you can, then you can choose how to work. So it's, it's not that I'm not working. I, I enjoy work, but now I get to pick what I work on and when I do work on it and how, how much I work on it. And there's just a freedom in that. So it's not being told what to do. It's not having, you know, the, the golden handcuffs where you get accustomed to the income that you make. So then you have to keep doing the thing that you're doing to maintain the lifestyle that you have. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's cool when you can break free of that and, and then kind of set your own schedule your own timeline you know you don't have to be anywhere you can travel abroad if you want to travel abroad yeah that was one of our big goals this uh past year we we spent the summer in europe wow uh, and we spent time in nine different countries and just really had a blast Uh, but that was on our list is something that we wanted to do as a family and i wanted to give that experience to my daughter but then my wife and i also wanted that experience you know it's a you know, it's fun to be able to do that right? Yeah. Um, and I would not have been able to do that prior to having passive income in place. Right. Yeah. Well, I can
0: uh, speak on behalf of the listeners and myself. That sounds horrible. Nobody <laughs> wants to travel. To- I'm just kidding. That sounds awesome. So I guess going back to um, this uh, first mobile home park that you bought. So was it uh, in Austin, uh, I guess, where was it and um, how, was it a management company already in place? Or I guess some of the logistics of it.
1: Yeah, no management company in place. Uh, it's in central Missouri, just uh, you know just a, a small little town and um, it made sense. The numbers made sense. Uh, the population was strong enough, but at the same uh, point in time the numbers just worked out. You know the, the cash on cap, you know, t- the two things I look for is can I buy it at a 10 cap and can I get at least a 20% cash on cash return on that investment? And if the answer is yes to both of those, then it's time to move forward. And so this one, you know, was, was an even better deal than that. And, um, and so there's, there's no on-site management company. What I generally do is I will hire someone that lives there to be the park manager. Uh, and, to, you know, sometimes there's a, a handy maintenance person that, that I can involve in, in those responsibilities. Other times I might just contract it out with someone local. Uh, in the area. But just based on price points, it, it's a little harder to find a property management company probably that's going to do something like that unless it's a much bigger size, it would probably depend on the market, there'd mm-hmm. be a lot of different things. It's, it's a lot different than uh, you know a single family home type of business or an apartment multifamily type of, of, mm-hmm. uh, of, business.
0: Um, so with the mobile home park, did you own the, the land or did you also own the mobile homes as well?
1: So we've had a little bit of, of each. So the the goal is to not own the homes. The goal is to just own the land and collect land, lot rent. Okay. Um, now, with most parks that are that, that you would buy, I think it's hard, it's rare to find a 100% tenant-owned park. You can find them, but generally you have some homes that the park owns because, you know, people at a certain point may default and, and uh, or just move out or... You know, there's all kinds of, you know, other crazy situations. People can get old and, you know, pass away. So you end up owning homes, but for us, and there are different models. Some people believe in having a full rental model. Um, For us, we want less of the rental because that just involves more work and more management. So Mm -hmm. we would prefer to sell homes outright to people. Or you know, do some sort of a rent credit where they can you know earn credit towards owning a home, mm-hmm. and uh, and that way, a lot of those responsibilities as far as maintenance are on them, uh, and and then it's less management and oversight. Sure. But I mean, in our most recent property that that we bought, uh, I kind of went against you know that because the deal was just too good, and this one ended up having 119. Homes that came with it, so you know we, we do own a bunch of the homes in that, that property. It's a uh, 157 uh, lots, and 119 of them are are rentals. Oh wow! Um, so that's a, a different animal, and it's going to involve more oversight and more management. But the the price point was just too good to pass up.
2: It's interesting that you there, is there a management company on that the second one, the 157?
1: Uh, there's not. So we're actually believe it or not, I. We, we just today, before I came in here, I used to always tell people, no, we've never done a management company. Uh, I don't know that it's gonna work. I don't know that that model works in mobile home parks. Maybe it does, maybe we'll figure it out. So, so the irony is right before I came here, the last thing I did is I just signed a contract with a management company for one of our po- properties, <laughs> one of our parks, yeah. uh, to give it a shot. So do I know if it's gonna work? No, mm-hmm. uh, I hope it does. It, this would be a really good fit if it did. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll see. So it's not the newest one I was telling you about. There's not one in okay. that property.
2: So when you buy it, you're, you, you bought it and then you send a letter to everyone say, hey, we're the new owners, here's where you send your rent. And, and that's how that transition takes place? Correct,
1: yeah. Um, generally, I like to set it up where whenever we take over a property, we wanna tell people, hey, number one, we are excited about uh, purchasing this property. We want to make this property the best property in town. We want to create a great place for you to live. In fact, here are all the improvements we're going to do. So in this new property that we bought, this new park, we're going to redo the roads. So I put that in the letter. We're going to redo some water lines. Uh, I'm going to get a tree company in there because there's all kinds of deferred maintenance on these trees. So Mm Uh, We're gonna, you know, probably spend about fifty to sixty thousand dollars just to trim trees and cut them down and Mm -hmm. You know all the stuff but uh, when the people got that letter, you know, I think that makes them feel really good Uh, But at the same time change is always a kind of crazy thing So, Mm -hmm. you know, every now and again you get someone that just gets, you know, freaked out that there's someone new and you know, what if uh, You know, what if they're gonna kick us all out? So, you know, every now and again, you get someone that leaves but uh, generally you don't so yeah, and, and we let them know, you know where to send rent. For us, we have a service that we, we really like to do. We have a mail uh, checks to, or money orders to a P.O. box, and we have our bank pick up that P.O. box and cool. deposit the, the money each day, and then scan it and email it to us each day. Wow. And so that is, you know, we, we are always looking at how can we automate our business more.
2: So one thing, so we're managing some apartment complexes, and what I've learned is that the due diligence is huge uh, because we took over and we've got seven evictions out of a 20-unit apartment complex. And so I'm thinking about your deal, and do you go and look at bank statements of the past owner and see if they paid on time? Because what we found was some of these tenants were paying weekly rent, and that's not our process, you know? And then also is, I'd imagine when you first take over that first month, there's probably a lot of you know people that just don't send you the rent or send it to the old owner. Have you dealt with some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's always a little confusion in that first month. So, I mean, one of the biggest things that we wanna communicate as a group mm-hmm. is that we're gonna do good work here, but at the same time we have a strict no pay, no stay policy. So if someone mm-hmm. doesn't pay, you don't get to stay. Mm-hmm. And I really have found that in each case, every time we've bought a new property, we've done an eviction or a couple evictions right out of the gates, and everyone shapes up right after that. They, they hear, they see it, they know. Um, but yeah, there, there's some confusion in it. There's old ways of doing it. So, you know, we try to be flexible. You know, in the beginning, we kind of, we were a little more hardcore about it. And it was like, our way or the highway. Sure. You know? But in certain instances, it involves, it's good to, to have some flexibility. So, you know, in this new one, it's a really, really unique property because this old owner, this old owner built it himself uh, back in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And he believed that you should have money coming in every single day of the year. And so the contracts that we have on this new property are literally every single day. <laughs> so to try to standardize to paying on the first and we give you a five-day grace period. Yeah. I mean, this is something we're wrestling with right now. And so we're trying to work with people and you know see what's gonna work. But then we have some weekly payers. Most people are monthly payers, but we just, you know, found a couple of weekly payers. Wow. And, so, you know, to us, at the end of the day, if someone pays weekly and then it ends up being the full amount by the end of the month, fine. You know, right. we're, we're going to work with you. We're not going to, yeah. you know, be too difficult. Sure. Um, you know, for some people that, you know, so for us, we deal sometimes with people that are on some form of government assistance, disability, something like that. And so their paychecks come like on the third of the month. Right. Uh, and sometimes they come like on the third Wednesday or the second Wednesday of the month so in certain instances I feel like we it will be in our best interest to kind of work with people a little bit but the goal is to really create an automated seamless type of of, you know program uh, or protocol that really works best but the first month or two is it's a hodgepodge we just you know we just try to figure it all out and make it work and work with people and we don't charge late fees usually write it right in the you know that the first month we kind of give them a, you know a one month grace period and we're going to start late fees a month or two later yeah and we put all that in our intro letter
2: that's very cool rent every day of the year that's amazing oh so <laughs> he had it figured out he, he,
1: he must have loved it. i mean it, he thought it was the greatest thing i know that i, yeah. I met him before he he passed away <laughs> And yeah, he just thought it was the greatest darn thing, you That's know. So
0: funny,
1: yeah. But I, I, actually, one of the ways that I was able to buy this park is that I just kind of built some rapport over time and just kept check, checking in. You know, yeah. these moms and pops that own it, I'll just swing in, and say hey, you know, develop a relationship. And I remember talking to this guy. Uh, he was so old that we'd be in the middle of a story and he'd literally fall asleep <laughs> while I'm talking to him. <laughs> And then, you know, wake up and, you know, startled. He's like, yeah, what's going on here? (laughs) And uh, I mean, just comical, comical stuff. And for a while, he, you know, had talked about selling it. And then he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't commit and we'd go back and forth. And then I decided this guy literally just wants to talk to me. That's the only reason he's he's like stringing me along. He just wants to hang out, you know. But then eventually when he passed away, his kids remembered that, I had been in there and, and gave me a shot to buy it.
0: That's cool, yeah. that's awesome. So, so now, um, is like mobile home parks like your only form of uh, real estate investing? Or obviously you've seen a lot of benefit from that. Are you interested in any other forms of real estate investing?
1: You know, I, I'm always interested in learning about new things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued with some of the new legislation that's passed with Opportunity Zones. Um, So, you know, I'm taking a deep dive into that right now, but we have just had so much success with mobile home parks that to us, it is the surest thing, safest, you know, way to invest in real estate. You know, that that is our mindset and our belief. Um, And I've got a lot of friends that do all kinds of different things, whether it be single family homes or apartment complexes or office buildings. You know, I've got friends that do it all and they like it and they enjoy it. Uh, this just happened to be a good fit for us Mm -hmm. you know the beautiful thing about real estate is there's so many different options there's so many different ways to make it work you know you could figure out what what works best for you Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know when we were putting a bunch of cash up for single-family homes and trying to flip them there's just a, a lot of time that you're without cash and yeah. so that was part of the reason that we transitioned out of that model and into more of the maintenance model where we were doing uh, maintenance for the single family home right. uh, owners because that is not as cash heavy, right? Gotcha. So that made sense. And, and also from the standpoint of how much you would need to put in to buy a single unit on the home side, it made sense to me, why don't I just put in you know that same amount and have several mobile homes on that land yeah so that that was kind of my rationale with it cool um but you know we also invest in in online businesses um you know websites that generate income at ad revenue or affiliate income wow uh, which you know you could look at that as it's not really real estate but it's kind of virtual real estate it's a very similar thing right sure. yeah
0: um, you know the business that you own, and, and now the mobile home parks that you're investing in. Do you have uh, partners that are um, you go in on these businesses with, uh, or is it you you know by yourself?
1: Yeah, it's just been uh, me by myself on these deals. Gotcha. Um, you know, I've got other businesses I've invested in that I w- hold equity in that have founder, co-founder, whatever it might be. Sure. You know, I have other, you know, the maintenance company that I started with with two partners. Um, but as far as the actual real estate acquisition, I've done everything just myself. And that was kind of intentional because I, I really didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to involve anyone else. You know, at one point in time, I actually considered starting a fund and uh, raising money that way. And, but I just found that. When you needed money, you don't even really need a fund. If you just bring the deal to enough people that have cash that aren't getting the return that they want to get, it's not hard to get money. But at this point in time, I've been pretty blessed and I've been able to, to fund everything by what we've we've uh, accumulated.
0: Very cool. So with your uh, the maintenance company, uh, how involved are you with that?
1: So at this point, I'm not involved in it. In a day-to-day capacity at all, so I still have uh, voting rights uh, on that. Uh, There are basically three of us that that co-founded it. Um, So at the beginning, I did a lot of it. So I hired uh, the majority of the fifty employees that work at our local office in in Dallas. I hired two hundred and thirty subcontractors in all the different markets that we're in. Uh, because for that business, we we're we we're managing maintenance for nine different states, eighteen different markets. Um, so we we scaled it pretty fast. Sure. Um,
0: yeah. Was that was that tough? Like growing that fast?
1: It was. There were a tremendous amount of growing pains. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I that, can imagine. I mean, I there are stories after stories after stories. Yeah, it's that that was not an easy lift, uh-huh. but the opportunity is just so great, you know. So. Uh, it it was neat.
0: Was that the goal to to grow that fast or did that just happen organically and you were trying to keep up?
1: Yeah, it it happened organically. The opportunities just started presenting themselves and we took them and sometimes we took them probably when we shouldn't have and we experienced not being able to deliver quality work because we had too much on our plate. But that whole business actually started as an idea that would raise some money to fund another business that we wanted to do together. (laughs) And then that other business just never materialized because this one took off so so quickly wow. it, it had there have been some great lessons learned you know in this one as well and the, the maintenance company but uh and and even just you know getting certain things in place like the legal the insurance you know all those things in the beginning i mean there, there's just so much that you need to do and learn about but you know once you do that And you've got everything in place, you know, it makes it easier to sleep at night. (laughs) It gives you some breathing room. Yeah.
0: So this, uh, you know, hearing this about, you know, you starting this business and it growing so fast, it brings me back to what you said earlier about how uh, you may not be the smartest in the room, but you'll work the hardest. And I was wondering what you can attribute that to because uh, me personally uh, come from a football background. And so... Uh, it was, you know, drilled into me to work hard. Also, my mom was a bit of a, a drill sergeant <laughs> when it came to like chores and stuff like that. So I was always taught yes. that, like, uh, you know, working hard um, was the right thing to do all the time, no matter who's watching. Um, so I was wondering what kind of helped shape you in that way to, to really just you know work hard and and take these big risks, really, with investing in the businesses.
1: Yeah, you know, my dad always worked really hard. It didn't matter what the job was. It didn't matter, you know, if he needed to or didn't need to. He just did. He worked really hard, and I saw that. And he'd put in a lot of hours when he needed to do it. And at one point in time, he transitioned from you know selling appliances and and kind of working in a role like that, and he was selling cars. And so you know he put in a lot of hours with that. You know, just all kinds of morning to evening. So I, I saw this great work ethic with him and he eventually transitioned out of that and kind of got back into you know more of a routine uh, uh nine to five type of, of job but you know during that stint I just have vivid memories of him you know working you know leaving early working late and though I wanted to hang out with him uh I saw the importance of working hard providing for your family doing what you need to do mm-hmm. you know to do that and that just kind of clicked that's very cool I I really think that's awesome.
0: So, I guess now for the for the listeners, what would your biggest piece of advice be to someone who wants to either start a business or invest in real estate? What would you say your biggest piece of advice is for like becoming successful, so to speak?
1: Sure, I'd say just jump in. I mean, most of the time people wait until the light turns green to go, but I don't know that it that it's ever gonna perfectly turned green in a business sense right mm-hmm. i just think that i mean i prepared and educated myself to the best i could and i wanted to know what i was doing but most of what i learned was when i owned property and things actually happened and i had to figure out how to deal with them mm-hmm. so it's like under fire you figure it out right. and you think you don't have time but then when you have to make time you're able to do it you're mm-hmm. able to figure it out and when you don't know how to solve something Uh, It's amazing when it, you know, in theory, it's like, well, what would you do if this happened? Well, I don't know what I would do, but then when it happens, you're like, you're calling whoever you need to call, you're googling it. I mean, you're you're gonna figure it out. Yeah, you know, because for you know, if you got a water leak. The longer that thing leaks, the more money you're losing, right? Right, yeah. Um, And and potentially even worse than that, the more damage it's causing in in the home. Uh So, you know, there there are just certain things that you just figure out how to do. So Mm -hmm. my best advice would be if you think you want to do it, then do it. Just start moving in that direction Mm -hmm. and you might as well try it out. I guarantee you'll learn great lessons. Uh, and, And at the same point in time, if you decide you don't like it, sell it. Yeah. You know, what's nice about investing in, in an actual asset is there is intrinsic value in that asset. It may go up, it may go down, but you have a foundation of value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for someone that's looking to start their own business, that's a little different because you you don't necessarily have value, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's not necessarily a foundation. You have to create that. Sure. But you can also start slow in that and you can you know, take baby steps towards what it is that you think. And, you know, if you have a good idea, then, you know, get the proof of concept. Just try to, you know, perform that, whatever that idea is to generate income, and you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it, just prove that it works, Yeah. right? It's like when I buy uh, a park, I place a test ad in that market to see how many phone calls I get for rentals so I know that it can support bringing people in, wow. right? Yeah. So the same then is true, you know, of a business, you know, maybe you're not placing a test ad, but you're doing something to make sure that that is you know that, that there's demand for that product or that idea or that service. I think that's great advice for to just to jump in. And that's something that we
0: have talked about on this podcast before when this podcast comes out, it might be a few weeks back that the episode is out. But we have talked about how people rise to the occasion and how you don't know that you're ready in, until you like you said you jump in right um, and whatever the situation is you'll make it work so I think
1: that's huge like just to just to jump in yeah and it's the same thing with like having kids like no one's ready to be a parent yeah yeah and yeah. then you have kids and you just figure it, you out, figure it out, you know, it, it's the same thing. No one, no one, when they go to college knows how to be a college student, you mm-hmm. just go and you figure it out, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and you figure out some of the stuff you're doing doesn't work and some of it does work. And, you know, you, and then what you do is you talk to experts in that, in whatever area it is that you want to get better. And then you just model them. Right. So I just, you know, did that with everything. That's so awesome find an expert find someone that knows it and just ask them questions and just be a big copycat yeah there's someone that's proved the model right if if it is if it is an asset someone else has bought it someone else has proved the model to make it work
0: yeah
1: right so so there are there's a a path to success there's there's a map to success Mm -hmm. you just got to find it and piece it together and then in the unknown where you're trying to start something you know, that doesn't exist. So you've got to create that. So, But you're also handsomely rewarded. You know, when that's not there and you create it, Mm -hmm. right, you're going to earn a bigger return when you grow that and scale that business than you would on just a traditional real estate uh, acquisition. Right. Yeah, for sure. Because the blueprint isn't there. You make the blueprint through trial and error. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Um, I can also say that you set uh, an example of this as um, having compassion, being a good person, and being patient. Because from your story with that uh, that mobile home park where you went and just checked in with that lovely old man who kept falling asleep, um, you just went in and, and built a relationship with them. And you were, um, I mean, it might be hard for the listeners to, to tell since they're not in person with you, but you know, I can tell you have a really good heart. And you, like I said, you're very compassionate. Uh, and so I think that will is the i mean a huge key to any form of success is just being a good person and you know loving other people so i think that's that's huge
1: without a doubt it doesn't matter what you're gonna do i just think you should treat people well yeah you know and and whether they agree with you they disagree with you whether there's a business motive behind it or there's not i mean the answer is treat people well
2: yeah that's a good note to end on
0: that's a great note to end on and i'm like pumped up about mobile home parks now i'm like all jacked up i want to start doing research on it <laughs> um, i like it yeah well justin thank you so much for uh being on our podcast we are um so excited that you you came on and i this is a, a great episode i know that the listeners are going to enjoy it um for the listeners how can they find out more about you it can be through business information or or anything how can they find out more about you
1: sure i've got a linkedin profile under justin donald um they can reach me via email at justinwdonald at gmail.com cool
0: awesome
1: all right well
2: thanks again yeah, appreciate it man. thank
1: you cool thank you it's my pleasure this is a lot of fun yeah all right we'll see you guys